More Real, a podcast about real people for real people. I wanted to create a space where I share my true feelings and those of my guests about what it's like to live in today's world. The challenges we face and how we deal with them, or don't. What about all that stuff that's just not said but should be? You know, the conversations that we really want to have but don't. What do we really think and feel? What about our regrets, dreams that we have, and the stuff we should be doing but we don't? Each week, I'll be here talking to real people about real life. This is a very honest look at life, and hopefully, by listening, it will help you to have a better understanding of yours. For a large part of his life, Luke lived with pain and misery, unable to have honest relationships with people close to him. For most of his time at school, he was bullied because, as he put it, I was unlikable, resulting in him trying to take his life at 11 and a number of times subsequently. He was totally disconnected, isolated and lost in the world. So paralysed by fear, he's been unable to get out of bed. He constantly regulates his responses to other people, which is exhausting, and suffers from severe anxiety every day and visualises extreme events that won't happen. During his adult life, he became an alcoholic and in the end, couldn't cope with it all and tried to kill himself. If it wasn't for a freak event, then he wouldn't be alive today, but thankfully he is, and thanks to the support of many people, has been sober for seven years. Lucas found himself finally, and I believe he was and is a courageous human being, but he doesn't see himself in that way, which has ultimately led to people attacking him throughout his life. He never truly revealed himself to anyone until he met his current wife, because as Luke said, who would love me? Luke has needed other people to make him happy, but now life is worth living because he wants to be the best version of Luke he can be. I truly hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. What do you live for? What do I live for? That's a really hard question to actually answer, right? Like, I probably, that's more of like a, for me, it's a bit of a, a it's almost like a Rubik's Cube. Like, there's lots of facets to that. You know, so much of me lives for, for, to, to make, to make sure my boys and my wife and, you know, I cared for and, and looked, looked after. I think, though, I, I live to make myself the best version of Luke that I can I don't know what that actually I don't even know what that really means but I I know what it feels like when I think I've had a moment of, of that goodness so, so when you say to me don't even think that means give me a sense of what you think there must be some things well, I'll give an example of goodness then what's something where you go yeah it's when I do something for someone without needing to tell other people that I've done it it's when I change a behaviour that hasn't been good for me in the past. It's when I see, and it's when I see illustrations of that. And when I, I suppose, when I was stopped, when I when I stopped drinking and put the drink down, eventually in the early days, that was really easy. It was great. But as the further and further along you go along, it's it's harder. You know, the changes are not that yes. not a, a much harder to do. 
and not and fewer and further far between. It's one of the reasons I think I really like to do my swimming is because I can see change every time I do something. Is that is that obvious or there's it's in, in 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 sport I think it is because you can see a reduction in your times that you've swum and I think what that does is that if you're working to to change who you are like that's a, it's all it's a generation it doesn't happen overnight like it it takes it took me 45 years to accumulate all of these behaviors I'm not just going to wake up every night one one morning switch on a light and go bing I'm changed because it doesn't work that way. I can have a situation where something happens to me. It reminds me of the way I was when I was, uh, you know, in, in secondary school and having the snot beaten out of me and I'll respond like that person. And then I go, oh, that wasn't great. I don't actually want to behave like that anymore. So then I start a process of change. And where, where did you learn this from? Like if you role models? Where did I learn this from? Yes, in terms of, you know, how... What, what you've just talked about, mm. wanting to be the best version of yourself. I don't think I learned it from anyone. I think that when, when I came, when I first became sober, I realized that everything in my life that I had done before was wrong. Every way that I thought, every decision that I made, because it led me to the point where I was given 12 months to live and couldn't drink and I made me a liar and a cheat and a thief and all these horrible things and so I I just had to sit there and go well I need to rewrite the story of Luke and I start at page one and, and so, that's but that's really hard it's just very hard so you say everything in your life uh-huh that seems harsh odd. but it's true like if my life was good and I was good at life and I made good decisions, then I wouldn't have ended up being the type of person who drank a litre of bourbon every day. I wouldn't have ended up being the type of person who lied to his parents and stole from his parents and did pretty horrible things. Like I just wouldn't be that person. I wouldn't be the person who was incapable of having an honest relationship with a human, any human being. I, you know, it's not to say that my life was, I did, I was crap all the time. I had, did have some great times and uh, had moments of, of, of happiness. But the reality of it was is from 11, I was depressed and anxious and never treated it, never did anything about it. And so I ran from fear and I hid from everything. And then so at that age, what relationship, okay, so what relationship did you have with your parents at that time? Or even as even younger than that? My mum, my mum is like, she's incredible. She was also quite strong and tough. She's a she's a lion. She's a lion. Like you just you don't mess with my mum, right? But you, she she's but she's also the most on the flip side. She's a most incredibly caring person you'll ever ever see. Fiercely loving and loyal. My dad, he he's 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 broken. Was. For whatever reasons, I still don't know to this day myself. And my my stepfather, who is my I call my dad as well, had had his own things to deal with as well. So, you know, there was some not great relationships, all of which today are amazing. Right, they mended themselves, but I had to mend myself first. 
And actually, when you said they weren't great, what was what bit? What a bit about so for your dad then, your your biological father. What was good, not good about that, your relationship with him? Well, he wasn't there. He wasn't. He wasn't there for me. And you've got a sister. Was he there for for her, not no. for you? Neither of you. For he was. He was. I honestly feel like he never. He never got over his divorce with my mum. And I think that we were a reminder of, his, of of a lot of that stuff for him. And it was just very hard to take for him. And he got a new family, created a new family, and that was his new new focus, and that's the way it was for him. So um, he moved on and left you behind in that sense? It probably would have been easier if he had just totally left us behind, but he left us in, in child purgatory, I think is the best way to just, just describe it. On the flip side, like there was there was one time in my life where I needed him. Actually, every time I've actually needed him, and I've reached out to him twice for help when I probably was like there was no one else on the planet to call, and I called it, and he stepped up and he smashed it out of the park. Like there were moments of 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 of, of actually my dad being my dad, and and these days he's incredible. To at eleven, it's a very young age yeah. to just go okay like that. I can't go on anymore. I can't cope. It also it really all started for me when I got to secondary school. I was I was bullied like unbelievably. I think I had my head smashed into a locker every day for three months for the first three months of my school. People just liked to beat me up. I had there was a bit of a competition running about how many times you could knock me out. And so And but why do you think that why? You, can you look back I, on it now? What would you I honestly say was? don't. I, 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 you know what? I think I've often thought of this and, it, and I think that my demise started when I tried to stop someone else from bullying someone. So I was on like a orientation camp for year seven. They were picking on another kid and I, and I stood up for him. And from that moment, I was like the geek king or something like that. And that was it. And I wasn't a particularly big child and I wasn't strong but I'd been picked on before and my mum always told me that the best way to, to, to deal with a bully is to give him a blood nose and that's what I did unfortunately when people are bigger and stronger than you or there's more than one of them there's not much you can do about that no. unless you're Bruce Lee which I wasn't no and so I'm so that was clearly the cause of why you got to that point where you were just like I can't yeah, well, it got so bad that I I tried to I committed suicide in my first. I, tried, I didn't commit suicide. I attempted suicide in my first year of high school. Boggles my mind today to think how I did that. But interestingly enough, it definitely kicked off a process for me. That and from that moment on, that that diet, that was an acceptable way to solve a problem of immense pain. As in, I don't want to be here anymore, and that thought was in my head regularly, if not all the time. And so, the divorce between your mother and your father came at, at that because as no, I said to you, why didn't you not no, go to one of them and go? We were like four years. Yeah, interesting. I don't ever know. I think I was just ashamed. I mean, I didn't even really know how I could have known what I was doing. Like, I don't even know. I, I, to me, I still don't understand, and I've never gone through the process of looking at. Exactly, because I don't. There's a lot of gaps in my childhood memories. Like I don't remember a lot of stuff. 
because I just pushed everything I was like, down. You must do if you really, but you, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Um, but there's there's moments, and there's that that's one of those moments. But I don't remember having. Uh, in fact, I was talking to my mom about this the other day, and I'm like, why didn't we do anything about it back then? And she said, I don't ever remember knowing about it, but I know that if I did, I would have done something about it. So I didn't. I don't think I wasn't bad enough that. I needed to be hospitalized. I was well enough into the process, but not too far into the process, and I was interrupted by my sister. She yeah. she was close enough to you as she saw that. She came or? home, I think, from school. Like she I was at she was at secondary school too, so she arrived home from school. And as I recall it, she she came into my bedroom and saw what was going on. And how was that for her? I don't know. I, I've actually never spoken to her about it. Really? Yeah. I've been I've been meaning to talk to her about it because I think I need some gaps filled, but it's not something that I sort of. I try to leave the past in the past as much as I can. Like there's nothing I can do to change the past, and because I'm not, it's not something that causes me pain anymore. I've processed all of that, and and it's I'm free of the need. I don't need to know. That, but I probably need to know because I need to understand how that affected her. Well, that's true as well. But also, I was thinking more in terms of how what you could learn from that experience because I think of myself and things that I've, I've done and thought and whatever, and I look at now and go, ah, oh, yes. Well, I think you know the the learning from that experience, and I suppose how how I didn't learn from that. Like I haven't, I didn't learn because I I did it a number of times after that. So what do you think was it? What was about it then? You've mentioned it before. Uh-huh. Then what was it about that? Was it just gave you? It, it took away the. It, it was the only option. It was the only option to release myself from the pain and distress that I was feeling because I didn't see that there was any other way that I could get out of the situation. That's why it felt like it was the only escape. I couldn't. I couldn't leave school. I couldn't fight. I couldn't do anything. So I had two. Like, I'd not be here or continue to live a life of pain and misery because that's what I felt. How often were you getting bullied? All the time? Every week? Every month? Every, or you Daily. You remember that? Daily. Yeah. And that went on for how long? Most of my first year and really for the rest of the remainder of my entire six years at high school. But what happened after that is my mum took me off to... to my mum um, eventually... I went to karate school and I learned how to defend myself. And in that in that amazing place, I found a community of people. I found the purpose of my life. I also had nothing. Like, I didn't have a purpose. Like, there wasn't anything for me to work towards. And I wasn't particularly studious. I wasn't particularly sporty. And, you know, I learned to defend myself, you know, effectively after I ended up being a lot more capable of handing out blood noses people decided that I was a hard target and it was only when I think they decided, you know, again, there was either someone bigger or whatever or someone who'd had something else. There's one particular vicious little person who um, who isn't actually with us anymore. He was connected to one of the biggest gangs in the in the region and I couldn't... If I if laid a hand on that guy, I would, I would be minced. Like, I would be dead. Like, that, that's what, that was a fact... I knew, and I had to go, like every day I would live in fear that I would see these people on the train, because if he saw me when those guys were around, 
they would all oh, I would be beaten senseless and there would be no karate in the world no martial art in the world would save you against those guys like I just so uh, it was it was it was terrifying I lived in constant fear of, of, of violence and going back to you said before you didn't tell anybody that because you felt ashamed that that was happening to you no I, I, we did, my parents definitely knew that about the bullying well, you mentioned that you took your mum to your karate uh, so, yeah. yeah so they, they knew about that well how did they know about that because you t- would have told them because I would yeah I don't think they actually I mean, honestly I don't think I really talked to them about how I felt I think after my karate and that things sort of subsided a bit I don't think I ever sort of ever turned around and said mum I'm, I'm living in terror I fear this is what ha- is happening now at school, and blah, blah blah. Like I don't think that that I ever actually had that conversation. I just think that um, you know, because I wanted my solution was I wanted to leave school, but that wasn't for whatever reason not a, not the option that that was available. So I'm like, well, if you're not gonna, I, that that's just it. I just have to continue on going through this process. And then, so how do you not? Did you resent them for the fact that you couldn't leave the school? Because that's the obvious thing that you... I think I definitely did at the time. I don't now. I was definitely very angry at them for not, for not. I suppose feeling like I could just decide my the best, safest way to look after me. Um, but again, I think I don't think I told them. They didn't had the whole, the whole story. I reckon if I went to my mum and told her, said use the same words that I just said to you then, like she'd probably go and burn the school down. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people would end up with horse heads in their beds and stuff. Yeah. We're Italian. That's what we do. <laughs> and so, do you t- so then you were you were just very disconnected from what you're totally saying. Totally disconnected. Totally. I was. I was. I was the the sh- the sheep on the edge of the pack that just got eaten by. It was by Wolf and then Groundhog Day back to for the same thing to repeat over and over and over again. And did but did you have friends at school at all then? Yeah. We had this we were like the misfits. Like if you've ever said any any movie that you've ever seen that's got nerds in it and geeks in it or whatever, we were we were that. And we weren't there because we had shared the only common bond we had was that we were the kids that everyone hated. And then, how, so how did you? I mean, you kind of look back and then go, well, "How does that? How did that happen? How did that happen to you?" Because I stood up for someone. I stood up for one. Literally, of those guys. it's just that one. I, I honestly believe today that 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 is that is that that is that was the 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 beginning of it all for me. Yeah. But that takes courage, real courage, to do that. Like most people wouldn't do what you did. No, probably not. Not, not definitely not. <laughs> no, nobody was. So no, it's real courage. To do that, it's yeah, a lot about who it, you are. I never thought of it that way. Most people would stand back and just watch and go, "Oh yeah, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that." Because yeah, yeah, I think I just don't. I've I, I've always had a bit of a sense of justice and maybe a bit of self righteous about me, and I don't I don't believe that. Yeah, I would never want anyone to to go through that. It's I think my first experience of, of being actually being bullied was in prime. I was in grade two or three you know we used to catch this bus home there's this kid who just like terrorised me on the bus every day that's where mum turned around and said just punch him in the nose and that's what I did and so I knew what it was like to experience that feeling of terror and what it was like to have someone stand over me and I knew how you could you could take action but I also understood how long it took me to have the courage to do that 
Yes. And not to be afraid of the potential beating that would happen on the other side. Yeah. But it wasn't about that. It was about the fact that I stood up to them and once you did, you're done. And they very rarely come back for more. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then going forward then, your parents divorced. How did that affect you? I was like two, I think, when they separated and okay. four when my mum met and pretty much married my stepfather. So I don't... No. I, I think the psychological scars of the events that happened with like the way that my dad treated us and just the fact that we were, you know, like, I didn't understand why I could only go to my dad's every second weekend. And I think that that definitely, again, just, just, le- like, just left me lost. Yeah, you know, uh, more disconnected. Yeah, or, absolutely. Or just like, reaffirm that disconnection. There is no other better way to, to, to describe, I think, the way that I was from that point in time until I finally found recovery when I was 39 years of age. And so when you're so alone, which you obviously were, given when, from a young age, yep. that's just shit. <laughs> it's yeah. It's not my. It wouldn't be my preferred option for no. anyone at this point in time. Not even no. my worst enemy. So you, as school finishes, yeah. And then what? What? What happens to you then? What do you? What do you? Did you? I went to. I, I didn't get into the the field of study that I was interested in. I missed out by one mark. It's my first sense of failure, I think, in my life. And I didn't want to do anything else, so I just went and started working in a in a men's men's clothing just went and got a job and started working and and that was pretty much it I think interestingly enough I seem to always have found I find I attract bullies my first boss was a bully he was incredible he used to ring me up and and uh, and he asked me how much the store had done and I'd tell him and then he'd, he'd lose it at me like none of the but his behaviour would ever be accepted today and then he would or he would turn around and, and say okay we'll close the shop go up to the go up to the the news agents and come back with the paper okay so I'd go up come back I've no idea what's going on I pick up the phone call and it's going right open up the employment section like, what, what, what do you want me to do that for well if you haven't done blah by the end of the day you get you may as well find yourself another job <laughs> like I was 19 this guy was a massive unit. He was an ex-Victorian bodybuilder. Body he was a hard guy. He had no teeth in the front because he'd been knocked out fighting. He used to take him out and show us all the time just to intimidate us. There's like in my mind, there was no way I could ever take him on in hand to hand. So he, he was just you an easy target. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. He 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 knew. That the only way he could he, he he ruled by intimidation. That's the way he ruled. And so at that point you go you're just going, okay, what's going on? Why why is this happening? I never really I, I never really thought too much until I sort of got to a point, I think I was in my mid twenties, when I realised that whenever I went into situations with certain types of male, I was prone to be to 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 being victimized in some way shape or form i was always the one who someone would pick a fight with no matter what was going on no matter how much i tried to avoid it 
it, like I, I've had, I had someone more come up to me at, at, at a nightclub one night and start talking to me, and then I think he pushed me over or tried to push me a couple of times, and I don't bite with that sort of stuff. Like I'm not angry or aggressive in any way. And then he came up and pretended to shake my, he stuck his hand out to shake my hand, and as I stuck my hand out to thing, he punched me in the face and broke my nose. You know, I had, I've had, like, I could, we could talk all night with me regaling you of stories of how many times people have, have attacked me for no reason whatsoever, at all. But if you look back on it now, can you draw any conclusions to why? I think, other than my physical appearance and the fact that I just don't care what's going on around me, like I just try, always tried to have my own fun, and I think that I was a, I was probably a bit of a pretty boy. I used to wear... People commonly would mistake me for being gay and, and, and attack me for that. Because I worked in fashion and so I always had really nice clothes and I probably, I never really thought about the, that you could dress that way. And yeah, so I sort of, I don't know. I, I, in the end I begin to think that like I had this luminescent tattoo sort of across my forehead that just said, punch me. And people would see it and just go for it after they've had a few beers. And so what were you doing then at that time? So in mid-twenties, what were you doing just to, to get, again, to get through? I mean, when you're younger, it's no different to, to being an adult. Well, what, how did you deal with that then? What were you, I didn't. Did you, did you, what, did you, had you turned to anything then? Were you kind no, of just... I was still just pretty normal at that stage. I didn't really hit, hit um, substance. Like, I drank normally. I didn't, I didn't, I just, I just, I think I just accepted that that was life. For and me. Did you have a partner? Did you have friends and everything like that? Yeah. In that sense, it was yeah, all I had, totally. I had, I had some of that. I had had that stuff. Yep, yep. But it's still. And the women that you had with those relationships, not damaged, but we look back at them and no, go, no, oh, no, no, they were my all first, totally. I had had one girlfriend for from I think nineteen to twenty five, and she was my first girlfriend. She was actually an amazingly positive experience for me. Like she, she I think I'd. I'd been beaten up so many times that I'd forgotten how to stand up for myself in many ways, even just verbally. And she helped me draw a bit of a line in the sand and she helped me try to make, to, to try to be successful, I think, in, you know, in, in the way that we, we as a society deem someone to be successful. You have cars and houses and all the other things that go with it, but it, was, it gave me something to work towards. So she was definitely, you know, she she was great in that regards. My mates, I don't really think that. I think I've always had a trouble connecting to people deeply. I don't have a huge number of friends even today. I probably have four, just because that's about the max number of connections that I can maintain. Um, so why do you think that is? I just, I don't have the energy to to, to for all of the contact. And I was so I'm so you I was I spent most of my life isolated and isolating myself that I just don't know anything. I don't know any better anymore. But do you but do you feel like you need that? No. Even though you don't know how to do that, or you just now gone I No, I'm I'm okay. Like I'm I'm comfortable with with who I am and, and what I am and I don't expect myself to be anything that I'm not. I have to if it become if it's natural then it's right. If it's forced then it's not it's the way I tend to work yeah no that makes complete sense to me so you would how long were you doing in men's fashion then 
15 years I worked in in that industry and you got out of that job with that guy I eventually all my I eventually stood up to him oh go on what did you do he did the one he attacked the one person and the one thing that I would not stand like I can handle people abusing me but I can't like he attacked uh, and made some comment about about my partner at the time and that was it all the it was the coward of the county song by Kenny. If you don't have if you don't know the song "Coward of the County" by <laughs> Kenny Rogers, go and listen to it, and this bit will make sense. It doesn't mean anything to me. But All yeah. right, well, it's about about a guy who who doesn't stand up for himself, and everyone in the in the town thinks he's a coward, and then something bad happens, and he goes and sorts out the people, and then he he walks out, and there's this one thing where he talks about how he closes the door. They they say, oh, he's the he's old yeller. He's not going to do anything, and he walks into the bar and locks the door. Right and yeah, we we didn't we didn't come to blows, but there was physical threat of violence from both of us, and I had the courage then to, I suppose, terminate it. It takes it's it's easy to 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 resort to violence. It's harder to walk away. Sometimes you can't, but yeah. But then again, that's another example to me. That's real courage. Yeah, I have a big trouble with people using that word and applying it to me as a human being. <laughs> I can't, I don't under, like, I just doesn't, people don't, I don't, I don't see myself as having any, like, not a single, single drop of curry. No one can see this. I feel your face as you kind of, you grimace like it's just this <laughs> totally unnatural. Yeah, it Why? Is. So what is it about when I say to you, yeah, like, I, there's two examples to me. It's obvious you've got courage. Yeah, because I don't, I don't know. I don't know what, it just feels wrong. It's like acid on my tongue when I say it. Because you don't believe it, then? Because I just... I, like, when you said that to me and you pointed that out to me, I went, oh, okay, maybe that's right. And people, when I when I go up and talk publicly about my issues with depression and, and, and people will quite often come up and say that took a lot of courage. And then, again, I don't, I don't feel that when I do those things. I don't even know what courage feels like, so I suppose... What does courage feel like? What do you think courage feels like? I don't know. And so when you say it to me, it's a feeling that I can't necessarily... It's not something that... Motive, like At that moment, I felt rage and anger. And that was the thing that got me to where... To, to when I was having it enough. When I get up and share and tell people stuff, I feel love and warmth... And a desire to 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 reach someone, some stranger in that room, and that's not. Maybe that is courage, but I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I just think courage is, I don't know, someone who jumps out of a, jumps out of a plane to go and parachute to save people, or a fire fireman who puts his life on the line for people, or a policeman. That for me is what courage is. is I think in my hand, in my head. But where, so where does the anger and the rage then come from? When you get so angry, where, where, where does that come from? I think it comes from, I mean, in that particular instance, it was that you can't talk about, and you, you, you can bully me all you like, but you can't, you can't do that to someone else. Like it was the defense of someone else that gave me. And then I think I, I got, it, then all of the stuff that I pushed down, like all the mistreatment and abuse I had from him, that that candle lit that tinder bo- or that that TNT thing and boom that was it I was I was done 
like I'd, I'd had, I was, that's how I got to that point of being so angry that, that I couldn't, I wasn't thinking about the fear anymore. The fear was gone, burnt away in an instant with white hot, white hot rage. But do you, do you think there's a possibility that the people bullied you because you didn't believe that you had courage? Absolutely. And so if you look at that now in this conversation, to me it's obvious that I can get that from you, that you, why you wouldn't then use, to go, well, okay, yeah, I, I need to have more, you, you push away courage and the way you just talked about it. And yet... Because it, I don't, I think for me, it, I, I don't know. I mean, I think my, my courage has always come to the point where I think my back has been pushed against the wall and and I don't and I'm backed into a corner and I've and it's fight or flight. It's not a it's not it's not natural to me. It's natural my natural position is to run like Roadrunner and get the hell out of Dodge. Because I want to escape the pain or the pretense of pain or the fear. Most actually no, I want to escape the fear. I'm te- like it sounds it's probably an oxymoron, but I'm terrified of fear. And because it paralyzes me, it completely debilitates me. Even to this day, I've still had moments where I've been so afraid that I can't even get out of bed. And okay, and what would it take? What would it cause you to be where you're paralyzed by fear? It's not physical anymore. I'm very sensitive to that. Like I generally just turn on if someone tries to threaten me physically these days. When I feel threatened in any way, whether it's someone threatening my work or my finances or my ability to you know, be there as a dad or whatever, my response is so forceful. There's no metered response with me quite often. So if I've got a situation that is happening that would require me to be a little bit measured, I can't do that. I can only respond with the bloody nose. I force myself into this position quite often where I, I'm afraid of taking action because I think my action will be an overreaction yes. or be too, too, too forceful for the situation. And then so why, so, okay then, so why, why is there nothing in between? There's no grey, you're black or white. I, I think just because of my experiences in life, like I, because I let myself, I, a lot of my experiences were were so harsh like didn't didn't grade their way up to being bad they went from being hey i'm is like if i use I'm, I'm having a great night to someone's trying to kill me um with their fists that that that's the way it is for me and then my response being that and i don't think i've ever really learned to quite regulate myself as such because as well if i don't necessarily if i get something early enough and don't let it build up then that's I'm likely to respond in a more measured way. But if it's sudden and it's sharp and it has large impact, then I'll get really, really, I'll, I'll have a greater propensity to behave badly, I think is probably the best way for me to say it. Yeah. Has, has that impacted negatively on your relationships with people close to you, i.e. your wife and your kids then? Because um, you can just go from there to you can't see my hand. It, but it, it, Yeah, it makes it very hard sometimes. I'm a lot better. I mean, with the kids itself and, and Dominique, I think because they generally don't 
push those buttons, but at times it's it's you know I think it, 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 I've had moments where it has has been an issue, and then afterwards I go oh hang on a minute that wasn't great, and I go back and I and I do it I I do and I make make amends for it and I apologise and don't care who it is if I've done something wrong I come back and set the record straight. I think with, but it's it's more so actually in work life where people don't necessarily have the tolerances. They don't know you. They don't know anything. That it makes it a lot more challenging because you can't, because I can't necessarily behave badly and have someone forgive me because they know that actually I've, I've got credit in the bank, <laughs> for want of a better term, with them as a result of all other good things that I've done. Go, oh, well, that's just one. You know, right? Everyone makes a mistake. But in work, you know, it takes only a second to give someone a bad impression of you that will last the rest of your life. And so that, that's happened then? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so if you, is there a pattern there in terms of if you look back at it now and the things of, or what's caused those? It, it's generally when, when someone, it, I think the, the pattern is, is that I have a, I, I feel like I'm being attacked. So and for me, the difference of of any type of attack from physical to psychological to whatever, my response is the same. And so, give me an example then of what when someone's you feel like that. What would you do? What would your response be? Would you get very angry? I, yeah, my first instance, I get quite, I get very direct and very blunt and very short. Like I, especially if I'm communicating via email, like a, like one line sentences. Like you get an email with five sentences from me. This is unacceptable. Under no circumstances are you ever to do that again. This will continue. If this conti- if this behaviour continues, there's going to be a real problem. Like that's that's a good example of an email I've actually really sent. That hasn't happened once. That's happened on more than one yep. occasion. So when you, when it gets to that, there's no part of you that goes obviously not. Where you go, okay, come on. Sometimes, sometimes the yes, yeah, sometimes the the rational Richards comes up and goes. Whoa, let's just walk away from that. But sometimes it doesn't. I mean, I'm not perfect, so I, I I'm all I, I make mistakes. If I'm tired, if I'm stressed, maybe maybe I've had a really crap day, and this is just the last thing in the straw, the straw that broke the camel's back, and I just let fly. It's probably one of the you know it's one of those things that I I still struggle to to overcome. I'm not sure if I can. I can only continue to try and catch it as best I can and and understand what it is about that person's behavior like I don't own what they do and it's not their fault like I only own I own my backyard and I can only change I can only mow my own lawn and that's the only thing I need to worry about in reality right if I start to look at him going well he deserved it because he shouldn't have let his salesperson sell in my territory that that's wrong thinking i shouldn't have responded to him in that manner because i wouldn't have liked to have received that email myself i have no idea about why that background went down i'm behaving this way because it affects my financial stability it makes me feel threatened there's generally a little core of things that 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 relate to why i'm behaving that way i was going to ask you that so is there a pattern there in terms of well, absolutely you you bring it down to my self-esteem is being damaged my i feel like it's it's affecting my ability to deliver you know it affects my brand and brand at work 
it, it threads how much I'm going to get paid because I'm a sales guy. It's along those those lines generally. Uh, in fact, I think you could probably, with, with most of my life scenarios, whenever I get into a position where I could probably put it down to almost three or four or four things um, on those lines. In fact, well, I, I usually do an inventory on something as soon as I behave badly so that I can work out what it was. Oh, really? Yeah. And then I go back and apologise to that person saying, well, notwithstanding what happened, this is, yeah, this is what I did wrong in this situation, which generally freaks people out because <laughs> they don't expect to get that. See, and I, I could use that word again because that's, you know, not everyone would have the... I think that's just response self... Like, it's a, it's a responsibility. I feel like if I don't balance that ledger then that opens the door to a lot of other things that I don't want to open the door to. You know, that the the Luke that I left that I locked in prison nearly 7 years ago when I put down the work and did all the other work on myself, he's still there. He's he's just there and and he's looking at me every day and every now and again he whispers in my ears and sometimes I listen. But he's still there. And he can very easily get out and take control and I might ne- not ever return. Or this loop might not, not return. And so how do you deal with that, the pressure of that? Or the, not the pressure? It's incredible. Isn't that exhausting? Yes. Yes, it is. I constantly regulate everything I say and do. And when I'm tired or not, or I'm not working, I'm not practicing things that I need to do to be to be good then then I, I let go of something and I tend to behave like my old self and I need to you know and I because I constantly have a dialogue of something that 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 is either real that's not real like a part of my 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 anxiety is is I see stuff that doesn't happen all the time Stuff that is incredibly distressing, like my kids being run over by cars, and that's just one. Me losing my job is one thing that I see all the time, even though I do a good job. Just imagine that scenario <coughs> yep. of how that would—that's going to happen. Yep. Sometimes it's it's like a, a dream. It's like a waking dream. It, and it can be every day. It can be every. It is. It is every day. So that that's the that's the fear noise just, in there. your back there's uh-huh. that voice that everyone has in different ways clearly but yep okay. yeah wow and so i just you know when i'm running good when i'm running well i can just say that's not real stop that that's not happening it just doesn't doesn't affect me but when i'm not running good or there's a number of pressures coming in from different angles happening at the same time then i lose my ability to i can you know i can't regulate in sort of five or six places at once and then so what happens in that, when that happens? Sometimes it can be incredibly... Uh, I can't actually even see it until I start behaving badly. Like it's sort of... I get everyone, all, all the troops go over the wall and you're like, oh crap, they're, all, they're in. And it's, and it's how I start to behave and respond to situations. I become a lot shorter. I become... To, and it's generally with physical interactions... It manifests, can manifest physically sometimes in me feeling like there's just a weight on me. I mean, I'm, I'm generally lucky that that happens less often than more these days. It doesn't happen too much unless I've got a lot going on. 
and sometimes I can go for months or a year without ever having a a tough time. In fact, I had like five and a half years of total total bliss. So it's there, but I know, and that's the other thing. I know it's there. Like I've, I've seen the other side. I know what their grass looks like. I know that my grass can look like that too. I just have to mow it and water it and actually keep it up because me looking at their grass doesn't make my grass good. Good analogy. Oh, I thought that was pretty good when it popped into my head just oh, you now. You mentioned mowing in lawns before, so you've obviously got a thing there, but I like that analogy. It's good. Wow. And so you, your wife, yeah, fully on board. When, when you married her, met her, yep. she knew everything about you? No. Nope. I was three months sober. Or you hid that No, I didn't. No. You know what? If I want to be really strict about it, I wasn't... I didn't divulge the whole truth. I divulged what I felt I I could at the stage. I mean, it's incredibly... I met this... So I, I went, we went out on this date, and I didn't even know it was a date. It was a total set. It was a blind date set up. I didn't even know it was a date. Didn't realise it was a date until she walked up, and I was like, whoa, you're not dressed for a coffee. <laughs> so how was it couched to you? Was someone says, oh, you're just going with her. She's a friend of mine or something. Well, it was, my, it, was a, it was someone that I worked with, and, and Mel. It was like, catch up with my cousin. She's here from the UK. She doesn't really know anyone. Take her to a few bars, whatever. And I'm like, cool. All right, so I can do that. And then, yeah, we, we went and then we sat down we, and they're like, okay, so I, thank God I've just, there was a restaurant just around the corner. We went, ended up going there. It's Italian. She's lived in Italy for a while. And we just started talking. And I think we just really, we actually, we instantly connected. There was this one moment where I can't remember what, what the actual story was, but we connected over, over Phoenix because I was writing some poetry and I had this, this idea that I was going to publish a book called about addiction and recovery written through poetry. And it was, I was calling the book Phoenix, which writes from the ashes. And she, she herself has had her own sort of crucible rebirth moment. And that's why she was here in Australia. And as soon as we said that, it was like, we, 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 I know you. And so I was incredibly like, I was more honest with her on that than I've ever been with any human being in my life in, in, that, in that date. In fact, we've been together with the exception of maybe five months like in total from that one day, from that day. And, you know, she, she asked you what we were at. She goes, you don't drink. And I'm like, no, I don't drink. And she's like, well, why not? And I just said, well... I can't guarantee, I don't like, it doesn't, it doesn't agree with me. I think it's what I said. I said, it doesn't agree with me. And she just left it at that. And she was happy, happy enough with that particular answer. And then we talked about a whole heap of other stuff. And, and I think I was in this amazingly calm and serene place as well. And I told her what I could. And as we went along and our relationship evolved and I could felt that she knew enough of who I was that, she wasn't going to see a demon if I told her that about myself. Then I was able to share that part of myself with her. 
you can't really share that. Like it's very hard. Like I'm at peace with sharing myself that that part of me with anyone these days because I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of who I am. I'm in fact I'm happy that I went through all of that because I found who I am today as a result. And that was I went from being lost to being found. Yeah, I, we were able to, to, to share. And when she asked me straight up, she said, she asked me, you're an alcoholic? And I said, yes, I am. And she asked... And did she ask you that because you, what, you told her enough of that to her because to work I, that because out? Because she'd been asked... She was in, she'd gone back to the UK to, to sort some stuff out and we were talking on the phone. She's like, what are you doing tonight? Just went out to... Like, I started sort of... So I would tell her that I went to an AA... I would tell her in an indirect way that I went to an AA meeting, for instance... And then I told her if I had a couple of sharing gigs then where I would go and share at rehabs and stuff. And so I'd share her, tell her about that, but not like I would leave out certain things like rehab and whatever else. And she just sort of put two and two together eventually. And then at some point in time when we were literally, you know, sort of next to each other, I ended up telling her about my experience with suicide. You know, and that was an incredibly hard thing to tell someone. In fact, it 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 changed. You know, it put her into it. Put it terrified her because she didn't know whether or not like whether or not I could just be you know because that's what it's like. I was able to obviously show her that and tell and, and and let her know that you know this is that was not that that person's not here right now, and, and I don't see him coming back. Um, in fact, you'll know when he comes back because I won't be the person that you know won't be here. Mm. Um, you'll know because of the way that I'm behaving. So that's a it's a huge thing for you to do to tell her that. Well, I had to because like there's no partial honesty in reality, right? Like if I think about if if I if, I, if we start the premise that we started with was everything in my life prior to me getting sober was a wrong was wrong now if i use that premise and apply it to every other relationship that failed before that was true because i didn't tell the truth i didn't expose that person to luke i gave them the vision of luke that i thought that they wanted to see I didn't do that with Dominique. And so why did you... So before then, why did you do that and then... Because I, who, would, who would love me? And does that go back to then as a child disconnection and therefore that's... And, and the fact that, that no one... Like I suppose I always felt that no one liked me. That's why people probably beat me up all the time. I was yeah. unlikable, unlovable. Which makes complete sense. It does when you think about yeah. it now, right? Yeah, but oh. it's, 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 yeah, completely. <laughs> okay. But with Dominique, I so what I was, was it? Yeah, what, yeah, what was it? Because you were in a much better place then. I was also happy. Like, I think that. What did she? Yeah, what did she give you that nobody else? You, or was she it didn't just give you? me anything. That's the, I think that's the point. Like, so every other person that I that I was that I have been with in my life, I needed them to make me. 100% happy I was only like 50% 40 whatever percent by myself and I used them to make myself happy because I thought I couldn't be happy without them when I met her I was happy on my own right I didn't need her to be happy I didn't need her for anything other than to be my companion and my friend 
and when I when we were together, she made me like a hundred and fifty percent happy. And so I was never ever going to go back to the depths of being under a hundred percent happy. And I think, you know, my experience has been if I look at every other relationship that I'd had, it was the exact opposite. I was using that person, and what eventually happened was is that when that person failed to fulfil that view anymore for whatever reason, then I went back to being unhappy again. And I I would suspect that if I turn around to anyone who's listening to this and say, have a look at your relationship, and if you're not happy in it, ask yourself, are you, were you actually using that person to make your, were you unhappy when you got into that relationship and did that person make you happy as a result? And did you cling on to that? And if the answer to that question is yes, well then, you're in a bit of trouble um, and you need to find ways to be happy independently without any without anyone else or anything else being because no one can take my own happiness away from me I can take my car away from me they can take my house away from me they can take my kids away from me they can take my wife away from me the reaper can do that for all of those things Yes, I'll be unhappy if those if my kids were taken away from me. Absolutely, but it, and it would you know probably affect me quite amazingly. But I have a, I have a I have a, an even keel to start with. I'm not starting from a detrimented position where I'd go from that into negative balance happy. And I'll probably go down to zero where I'm terribly unhappy because yeah. I can't see my kids. But I can get back to 100% happy on my own. And it goes back to what we talked about before the podcast is meaning, having meaning in your life. Yeah, and, and actually, in fact, now that if you, if you ask me that question again, then, then, then I live to be 100% happy without the need for anyone else to make that a reality for me. Which is pretty clear. Yeah, well, it is now. It's very simple. <laughs> it is quite simple, yeah. really. It's not simple to get there. No, it isn't as simple to get there at all. And I get—I haven't been to the same things that you have. Yeah, I—I—I I, I think of myself. There's a Japanese art form called kitsugi, and it's where they take a a vase, like a porcelain vase that's been broken, and they put it back together with gold leaf. And I think that. My life events broke me. They shattered me like something would shatter a vase. But I've been put back together with the gold gilding now. That's beautiful. Yeah, I, I, I you know, it's, it's, when you see something, you go, what's that? I just connected, and then I read what it was. I'm like, oh my god, that's like the metaphor for my life, like that whole thing. And then, so if you, you look back and you go, it's a, I don't know, it's not a fine line, but. Where you were to where you are, it's clearly a huge difference, massive. And it could have gone so easily the other the way. You know, you could not be sitting here having this conversation with me. I shouldn't be sitting here. I shouldn't be. That's, I think, the thing that for me that I always, you know, when I think about it, I mean, I'm getting a bit emotional now, but I am I, I, alive today despite my best efforts despite my best efforts not to be. Trying to do it quickly, trying to do it slowly. Somehow, something diverted me from being successful. 
The reality of it is, is that there's a very small margin for for, for failure. You know, like I think that's why I feel very strongly that the reason why we see such high suicide rates in men is that number one, we have we know how to get the job a job done very quickly, and number two, it only takes a moment of madness. And and that's people who work in mental health will just roll their eyes because I shouldn't probably use that term, but it only takes a moment for you to think that you're not you shouldn't be here, and to have the you know to be driving my car and just drive off into a pole. Bang. You could have been good 10 minutes before. Like that's the reality of it. You know, it doesn't take much to succeed and you only get, you only have to be successful once. Mm. And that's, I suppose, why I spend as much time as I, I can trying to talk to people about what happened to me so that they can a see that you can come back from incredible hardship and that the only way to do it is to get help because i didn't do it by myself it's not like by myself i was incapable of doing any of that i was loved back to help by a lot of people and some strangers too you know so i think it's being able the, the true courage if i had there's one courageous moment that i that i think in my life that i had was the day that I picked up the phone and admitted to everyone how bad I was and that I needed help. Um, so why do you think that happened? Because I was too scared of dying by my own hand. I was eight months, eight months prior, I'd had my last suicide attempt and I was moments away from not being here. And you know, my mate, my, my mate, the best mate and roommate, he'd he'd actually was supposed to not be there for the weekend and decided to come home because he wanted a pair of shoes or something to go out with. So I shouldn't have been there. Then just happened to come and find me in the in the uh, in the process. Uh, in fact, I was I was almost done. So I, uh, you know, and I, I was taken to hospital that day and. I think it was actually the hospital experience that probably <laughs> I didn't want to go back there. Oh, I'm laughing. It's not funny, right? But I no. sometimes laugh because it's just, it's incredulous to me to think about some of this stuff. But what happened to me was, is that um, I got taken to the to a, to a hospital, treated with, with very poorly, with no care at all. In fact, I was left on a gurney in the middle of a hall Super like the busiest A and E or emergency department in 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 Melbourne, and just left there for fifteen hours. No one spoke to me. No one gave me drink. No one gave me anything to eat. Uh, in fact, they tried to take me off for a very invasive procedure until they worked out that I wasn't the person they were looking for, and they discharged me the next day off into the world with no phone, no money, no wallet. Just let me go. And but but that that time actually made me realize that for the first time in my life that I didn't want to die. So I think I came I came so close to it like shaved the surface. I often think of it like a um you know when 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 they when they try to re-enter earth's atmosphere they got a very they got hit at a particular angle. You know I I just missed that angle and I bounced off. 
And do you remember now, is there any memory at all of what that, that moment when you try to take your life? Uh-huh. How, what you, what you thought? Yeah, uh, it was the same thing. I, I, I was eight months, I'd been, I had, no, I, sorry, I, I had, it was Labor Day long weekend. I'd left work at five o'clock. And I was literally pass out drunk for the whole time. Like I woke up and I just remember, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I was tired of doing it. And I had tried to stop drinking on my own and I just couldn't. And I was tired of the, what I feel is that because I never, I hadn't dealt with any of my pain, right? And and pain is like taking a loan from a loan shark. It has compounding interest that you can never pay if you unless you deal with it. And so the pain just got worse and worse. And I was in pain because I was not because I couldn't stop drinking. I was in pain, and my body was physically shutting down. And I just couldn't bear to do that anymore. And I didn't. I'd failed so many times that I didn't believe that stopping drinking was possible. So that was the only way to to deal with it. I didn't feel like anyone would miss me. I didn't feel like I would be... I held no value in this world at all. So what was the big deal? So that's... Yeah. And then when you're on the gurney... Uh-huh. How awake are you then? I was lucid, completely awake. Like this was, you know... Right, so the, the alcohol was wearing off. They gave me stuff to sort of rehydrate me and whatever else. But I was constantly thinking the whole time, like, what have I done? What's going on? I can't believe I'm here. You know, I had a, I was not able to move. I was pretty much like strapped. So I wasn't allowed to move because they thought I damaged part of my spine and whatever else. And so, so I had no other option other than to sort of ponder ponder life and what I realized I just well like I actually I, I don't know why I just like I don't want to die like I just I can't explain why I felt that other than I felt so more strongly than I've ever felt before the the want to not die which is weird because you'd said but just before that that you'd got everything you had so much pain you said there's only so much yep it's a compounding interest that that's yep. a great analogy to yep. use. I totally, I totally get it. You. I haven't, again, I haven't the same experience as you, but I understand that concept totally. And so therefore you, you, I'd just be thinking, well, how would that go away? What I, caused you to then go, okay, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to be It's a moment, momentary reprieve, right? Like it was my, it was the, the sun had just peaked through the clouds and, and recovery is not done in general. It wasn't done for me in just one hit. You have to sort of fail enough times out of it and have... It was the, the spark of hope, I think, that sort of just started. Like, I was actually quite flabbergasted when I thought that... When I felt that feeling because for 39 or 8 years, I'd been persistently thinking that I'd just be better off dead. I just resisted the urge to take the action most of the time. And for the first time, I was like, I just want to live. Now, it didn't take much time after that to get back to the place of wanting to die again. 
it's not like I was perfect after that moment. I didn't get sober for another eight months after that. Had another eight months of awesomeness to experience <laughs> before I'd realised that I'd before I'd I was broken enough, shattered enough to be able to sit there and have that moment that says everything else, everything that I've done is wrong, and the only way to to, to change is to not do any of that stuff. And I have to find people who can teach me how to live. And so you mentioned that before. Who did you turn to then? So that that was 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 AA was the community that I started that journey in, and they gave me the foundations for a lot of stuff. And they made me help me understand a lot about myself. You know, walking through the process of doing the twelve steps. I mean, I think anyone could do the twelve steps on anything, and come out a better person. That's an amazing program if you're willing to just let go of all of your preconceptions and accept that you need to change and therefore all your thinking with regards to whatever it is you're trying to change is wrong. It has to be changed because so it doesn't matter. But that and that was enough, you know, going through that process really was enough to sort of set me free and put me at peace with my past and accept my own part in my whole life. I didn't have to suffer for that that amount of time. I could have asked for help at any point. I could have, but I didn't. And going back to that, you didn't because you were too ashamed? I don't, I didn't, I don't. Asking for help for me, I, I still find it very hard to ask people for help. I don't like doing it. I don't know why, I just don't. I do, because I know that I can't do anything, to do things by myself all the time. So I'm just like you. So I totally get that completely. And as you are, I know the answer, I think, as to why. Because you don't think enough of yourself? And then you're worthy of it? No, I think it's because I because I, I want to prove that I am. Like I have to be able to, to do things myself. Like that's how I validate that I'm okay. I don't need help from anyone. I'm 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 an I'm a I'm an I'm a loner, I'm an individual. I don't need help. Loner people who are not dis- disconnected are so used to doing everything by themselves anyway that the thought of getting someone to help them is, is alien. So I think that's true for me. I don't know if that's true for anyone else. One of my regulations is to make sure, the way I regulate myself is to make sure that I'm always only talking about myself in the, when, I, when I'm explaining something because I can't tell you how to live your life. I can say this is how I lived. It's how I got myself out of X situation. It could work for you if you want to try it. It might not work. But at least you can tick a box and say I've tried something. Yeah, so it was interesting you're saying that because I sort of totally, I totally resonate with that. That's how I am, and maybe that, and I do, I do everything myself. Uh-huh. Don't rely on anyone for anything. Uh-huh. When my ex yep. got cancer, yeah, I, I, I can yes. do it. And then people said to me, "Yes, Dan, you need help." Yes, and and it was, and I was like, uh, begrudgingly, okay, then you and these people gave me help yep. in different ways. Yep. Yes, uh, I had I to be told that. Yes, I, I I suspect that most people fit into that camp 
Some people are just really good for asking for help all the time. Lots of people are like uh, that. I mean, I also I think that you know, we if you sit back and if I ask you, well, was your was your family upbringing one where looking after yourself and just fucking up and just getting on with it, just and um, just hardening up and just getting the job done was that actually a part of the way? Well, then. It's really no worries. You can't, people can't see me, but I'm nodding, yes. Yes, it, it's really no... no. It's not surprising, that sense, it, yeah. Because that's, that's the way... That's what I learned. I learned that behaviour. Uh-huh, exactly. And that's why it's so hard to, un- it's un- so hard to unlearn it. Like, it's not... So- and, 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 meh. and the thing is, now, I tell my children, if someone says to you, offers you help, then you take it. Yeah. Because if someone's prepared to ask you for that... Do you want me to do this for you? Yeah. Don't push it away. So Just take it. Be, it. Take it. It could be the biggest, biggest gift you actually give yes. to that person. You don't know what that means to them. Exactly right. Because I'm so prone to beating myself up. Like, I'll get a stick and beat the shit out of myself. No drama about everything. If I make a mistake, if I don't swim the race at, at, at a speed that I wanted to swim at, like, that's my, that's, was my, has been my go-to now I have to stop and I have to sit there and say, it's actually okay to make mistakes and it's actually okay to not get it right. There is no way I can ever exhibit perfect behavior 100% of the time. It's no way. It's all, there's no way I can be perfect. It's an impossible thing to achieve. The only thing I can, can do is commit to, 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 to a process of ongoing growth. And then if I make that mistake, I don't do it again, or I try to rectify it or minimize its impact. Like I, I take work, and I, I'm, I and I accept that I'm I'm going to make mistakes, as long as I can admit to my mistakes as well. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, if you if you don't admit to them, then they're nothing worse than than actually when I'm not. Sometimes I'm unable to see that right away, and it takes me a while to get to the point where I've the veil is lifted. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah right. No, no that yeah, that wasn't good. Mm. There's definitely situations where I'm less able to do that, and and that's like and that's and that, but I accept that in myself. It's like I'm I'm not perfect. I, I wanted I chased perfection in. It drove me nuts. So yes, and again, I totally resonate with that because, and I've learnt now to love myself, which I haven't done at my entire 50 odd years of my life and finally it's been a bit of a process I'll like exactly what you just said I'll make a mistake and I'd be so hard on myself I'd drop something on the floor oh you're an idiot I'd use words like that it was so stupid Uh why did you do the response is totally disproportionate to what's happened anybody as you said we're not we're not perfect I'm not a machine I'm going to make a mistake but if I can't learn to love myself then I'm way too hard on myself and I'm going to be constantly just giving myself a hard time when I don't need uh-huh. to be because it's just a mistake. And if I just accept it for being a mistake or something that can happen, then that's all it is. And, and so the, the, amazing, the amazing unintended consequence for me for that is, is actually flows into a lot of my swimming. So I'm not afraid to fail anymore. I'd rather just have a crack at it and not do it than... Which is, that's massive to be able to 
to do that. It's incredible. It, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it sometimes it, it, it I, I, uh, I just rush into things and I don't think about. I just, 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 I do it. I don't care. You know, it's just, just let's just do it. However, I'm not. That's one fear that I'm not parallel. Like I've, I, I can permanently tick off. It's like I don't mind. Because I know I can't do it perfectly a hundred percent of the time. Now, I know that if I do my best to do the work, to do what's required to get the job done, then I'll do it. Or I won't, and then I shouldn't even attempt it. And it makes, it's, it's, it's incredibly liberating to not have that. And I, I actually, I don't understand, like, it's, it's funny, I, I sort of, I don't un- understand anymore why people have trouble being empathetic for someone who's got a fear of failure because I'm like well, just, just what have you got to lose well this is this idea like that in that sense it's having just compassion for somebody else you know it's learning to, to have compassion for another person they make a mistake or do something it's like yeah yeah that's yeah yeah and sometimes that, that people you're like yeah it's alright it's no big deal it's alright like it can be fixed. Like, let's just work out how yeah, to fix yeah, the yeah. problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forget me. about what happened. Let's, fix, let's just fix yes. the problem. Like, I, I, trust me, I can be. I can not have that compassion and be uh, hard on people as yeah. well as I can be hard on myself. But I've learned yes. to be a lot kinder to myself, to love myself, which I never even even recognised <laughs> I wasn't doing. Yeah, but, well, I, I, w- I would suggest that, that most people don't even understand what that means. I, I don't... and. I know that when I've spoken about loving myself in front of people, quite often, especially men, they're like, "What?" You know, they don't know. They don't know what that means. And I think if you, if I, the best way to, is just to 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 know that to accept myself and the fact that I can fail and it doesn't impact on me as a human being. It doesn't say anything about who you are at exactly. all. Exactly. Exactly. As I said to you before. I'm not broken. My story can be broken at times, but I'm not physically. Uh huh. And that's the same thing with making a mistake or doing something wrong. It just does, doesn't say anything about me. It just can, stuff can happen. Yeah, exactly. But it's very easy, and most people will do exactly that and yeah. be hard on themselves and live that way their whole lives. And yeah. And just buy another car. Well, I yeah, think that'll make them happy. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's way too much of looking to spend as, as a reason to. Yeah, I just I, I I know that the reason why I did that was to simply fill a hole to make someone think that I'm something that I wasn't, or to be something to live up to an expect someone else's expectation, whether it be societal or my parents or whatever, and that that didn't work out very well. It never has. No, not for me anyway. The hardest work you do is on yourself. Well, I don't, I don't like, you know, do I want to do this? Do I really want to do all of the stuff that I have to do? No, I don't. But the consequences of not doing it is far too high. Yeah. My, I'm not in the same position as you, but I can say I haven't been happier than I am now because well, I've had to work really hard on myself to really look at who I am and work out what I want to do and where I want to go and just who, just, well, just who I am. Mm. But I've never been happier. Well, that's amazing. Yeah, no, no, I'm very grateful. And I do that. I just, you know, I tell myself every day, at the end of the day, what am I grateful for? And I'll just reel off 20 yep. things, little things, because that's just 
I think that, that, that that's it's a very simple thing yeah, that you can do that that because you don't think about it, right? It's like how how like why oh we I wouldn't even why would you think about what are you grateful for? What does that mean? It's like well, it's about reminding yourself that 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 you've had that you've been happy today or that something good's happened. And it it, it, it and if you can recognise those little tiny things, you know I can even talk about. So when I, I always do when I go to bed. I lie there in the bed and I say I can. I'll go through the whole day and I'll and I'll go to bed happy. I'll, those thoughts and things that make me smile and just uh, you know what I mean. And that's amazing. Well, yeah, I can't speak for anyone else. Like you said before, that works for me and it's changed my whole life because I yeah. think very differently about. I the have world. this thing of consciously thinking of myself hitting the reset button. I mean, that's the other thing is that I don't carry anything into the next day. Once it's behind me, it's behind me. The only exception to that is that I didn't, I didn't make amends for something that I needed to make amends for. But I don't bring anything from the day before into today. And just sitting, I, 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 yep, I close my eyes and I envisage myself hitting the button. And I, and I think in my early days, I even used to say, when I wake up tomorrow, everything that happened yesterday doesn't matter anymore. That's great, and it, and it's in yeah, I, and I don't think about what's happening tomorrow. I might try that because I have that. I had to. I'll ruminate. I'll do something, and I'll go. Oh, why did I? Uh, oh, I don't, I don't, yeah, but then play, you create fantasies play, in your yes, head, and play. then you have this whole. Because that's what you were saying before. Yeah. I play out all these different things. Uh-huh. I would think massively, and then I go. And I'm sort of learning now to go. Come on. How, how many times have you had a rehad an argument? Yes, with someone that you didn't have, you didn't have it the right way the first time. Yeah, that drives like that's enough to drive you batty. Completely. Yeah, you just, like, you, what's the point? You get really, you get really angry. It's like, yeah, and then you see that person, and the first opportunity that you get to unleash that rage that you didn't unleash on them the first time in the way that you wanted to unleash it on comes out that way. Yeah, and then the cycle starts again because you you unleashed on them about something else really, but you wanted to do this. It's um, yeah, it's, it's bizarre yeah, it that we is. can be prisoners to that thought process for such a long time and not sit there and go, I don't. Why am I thinking all this crap? And exactly right. And so you know, you talked before about the, the just being aware. I think the kind of analogy you use with the jumping over the the wall and they're there. You know, you, I can't remember when you used that, but oh, you, yeah, yeah, like, they're I over the wall. Image, they're, you know, they're just there. I, I, if, if you if you like, I had this image of a sort of medieval castle with all the yeah. walls coming over the wall. Like there's too many of them. Yeah, just... and that's exactly how it's. So it's the same thing for me. There'll be t- before I know it, then I've gone. But you just why are you doing that again? Yeah, you've had that thought. Yeah, you've yeah. done it, and then and I had to really. I'm doing it now constantly working it going yes and it'll, but it'll still come back multiple times and I have to keep well, uh-huh. no why are you doing that why do, do, why do you no well, it's because yeah I well for me it's because I haven't I haven't actually dealt with the root I haven't I haven't mowed my grass with regards to that scenario I, I feel wounded as a result of it yeah and I if I feel wounded my standard response is to inflict it back so I have to actually sit there and go, okay, well, why am I feeling this way? Well, this is what happened. And how did that make me feel? And what's my part? What was my actual part in the scenario that went down? 
Mm. What do I own in that? You know, quite often it was like, well, I wasn't exactly able to communicate X, Y, and Z. Or I didn't say X, Y, and Z because I was afraid to say X, Y, and Z. So that's actually on me. And I think whenever I get into to interpersonal contact, con- conflict with people, it's what's on me. Like where I, I have to look at what's on me. Yeah, it's, really, it's been great fun. It's good. So thank you very much for your oh, time. No, don't, yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for listening to More Real. I truly hope you've enjoyed the experience and that you will continue to be here to explore real life with me. If you have, please tell anyone you know about More Real. If you've enjoyed listening and learned something, then I would be so grateful if you could leave a five-star review, as this will help other people to find this podcast. I'm very grateful, as always, for your support.